Hello and welcome back to the One Take Show. In this episode, we are in conversation with Ms. Sandhya Surendran. Ma'am is a senior legal counsel for Asia Pacific region in Vice Media. She has previously worked as a media entertainment lawyer, working with individual artists and various organizations. And she also hosts a wonderful podcast called Let's Talk Music. And I have linked the podcast down in the description. So please make sure to check out this podcast. In this episode, we talk about what is media entertainment law, what is the legal practice in this industry, what are the practical aspects of this legal practice and how can we familiarize ourselves with the various laws that have an interplay in media entertainment law and how can we create our niche in this industry ma'am shares her experience ma'am shares her interpretations and this is one of the finest conversations that i've had if you like this episode make sure you like share and subscribe to the channel if you have any suggestions or feedbacks write them down in the comment section i would love to read them and with that ladies and gentlemen let's jump right in Hello ma'am, welcome to the One Take Show. I am so excited to have this conversation. I am honestly a fan of your podcast, Let's Talk Music, and I have followed your work. I have realized that there is an entire industry that law students do not necessarily talk about much that you have an expertise in and you can definitely give us so much to learn about, so much to learn from. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for taking time off your really busy schedule and sitting down with me for this conversation. Thank you, Kostub. I know we've taken some time to get here, but I'm glad that we finally did. So, uh, I mean, it. I feel I feel very old and very important that you're giving me all these, you know, kind words and introducing me. But uh, yeah, it's been a very uh, interesting uh, journey in, in this career and this, you know, this practice that I have been in the last six years. So, thank you for having me and thank you for taking time out to bring me here. <laughs> Ma'am, it's an honor, honestly. And, and as much as I believe that this <laughs> conversation is important, uh, when I was researching about this episode, when I was researching on your profile, I realized that you had a very interesting journey, uh, starting from a corporate law firm, moving to in-house, and then moving towards media entertainment industry. Uh, I think one of the major questions that come here for any law student who would want to learn from your experiences, when you make those transitions, and you've made them, what were your major takeaways from that experience? What was that transition like? And why did you make that transition? So I think, um, I think any law student, especially in their final year, will vouch for this going through campus recruitment. I think this is the time also, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. you just take the first job that comes your way, right? You have like all these grand plans when you are in law school. And if I tell you the reason why I joined law school also is it's quite funny because I decided I wanted to become a lawyer when I was nine because uh, yeah and it was an interesting reason behind it was that I wanted to solve crime. I realized being a detective wasn't really you know a fancy job title but a lawyer had a little more weight than a detective so that's how the the idea started but I think um what is important is that by the time, so I decided to become a criminal lawyer and that's why I joined law school. And I think my first internship at Patiala House, which was a six week internship, changed my mind. It's kind of scarred me also emotionally. <laughs> I realized, okay, I'm not cut out for this. Okay. <laughs> this is not my scene at all. So mm -hmm. I said, okay, uh, I need to like think about, you know, this, uh, you know, peddling with my conscience, but maybe I don't think criminal law is cut out for me. But that said, I should admit that uh, I'm still very intrigued by criminal law. So like I follow a lot of, you know, crime stories and I love you know binging on all these serial killer uh and the true story ones and we don't really need any of these horror movies when we have all of those but um yeah. but to cut cut the long story short I think what happened was like over the course of five years I kind of realized that there were a few things that I was really good at and that I, that I really liked uh intellectual property was actually one of them but like I said in during your campus recruitment when you get placed with the best law firm in the country, you're not going to say no. I mean, of course, you've interviewed with them. You want you want the same job that the topper in the class has, you know, been hired for. So I think, uh, so that was in 2007. It was like 14 years ago. Um, and that's how the whole 
corporate law journey started so it, i i didn't i didn't really plan for any of it to be honest i didn't really plan to like become like a media entertainment lawyer or get into tech i knew that i was always interested in ip i kind of followed that even through law school um because i mean it is interesting these are things that you interact with on a day to day basis right like it's it's pop culture mixed with law so why wouldn't it be interesting and um, i think um, I I I must have spent like a little lesser than 2 years at uh, in Bombay at the law firm because I I just I couldn't handle it. it it wasn't I'm not saying that it was a bad experience but it wasn't meant for me like a lot of people have like thrived in that environment and that's you know that's great because it's it's a lot of hard work there's a lot of like uh distress more than anything else but it it pays off I think over a period of years and um and i think uh, when i moved in house that was to infosys in 2000 and 2008 is when i like interviewed with them i had already interned with them so i knew the kind of work they did and i liked bangalore as a okay. city so it just made sense for me to you know kind of make that shift mm-hmm. and honestly i think um, the the big i think push was the there was a crash there was an economic crash that happened in 2008 i don't know if you remember uh when you know lehman brothers shut down mm-hmm. and yeah. like we lost a ton of work that time yeah. so i think mm-hmm. we were also like they were also like debating kind of reassigning the people who were working in the team that i was in and i wasn't very keen on you know being a part of that reassignment so that's how the whole okay let me look out for something else and the move to bangalore happened and that is a great decision honestly speaking because it didn't really it wasn't it, you know you're so much younger that time and you just you're just thinking more with your heart than your head you no know? so these are all impulsive decisions that you like you know i'm i'm leaving because i can't handle this and i'm done and i don't want to deal with this whole economic crisis so i'll move in house and you know to save a um, bet and uh, i spent 3 years with infosys and it was it was a i think my learning curve was pretty intense there because there was so much that we had to like do uh, on our own and it was a big team and but the kind of the volume of work that came in was also significant and uh, it was commercial transactions like pure for sure commercial transactions end to end contracting your ndas so all i think the basics of how to get a contract mm-hmm. done and when you're working with a large it company like infosys mm-hmm. where contracts are like the base of almost all your transactions there so mm-hmm. i think uh, it was i mean again like i said i don't think i'd ever regret any of the mm-hmm. uh, places that i've worked with and the experiences that i've gone through because they have all kind of led to where i am today so um and but then like i think after at the end of 3 years doing only contracts kind of got monotonous for me and i realized that i wanted to stick to technology because i i mean i'm curious about tech in general i really like technology i follow uh, you know current affairs when it's like related to tech and music of course that i mean that's a given that just goes without saying but i never really thought that i would do something in music so it was a it was like a happy surprise when i finally did um and the move to inmobi was also uh, such a great like it, it i think everything happens for a reason because from a very specific structured environment which was focusing only on commercial transactions and contracts i moved to a, a startup environment where you know people wear like shorts and jeans and like you know corporate lawyers not used to all of that you just like what is this culture like you know this is not where i'm coming from so it was it was great actually i mean for, apart from that initial like oh uh, am i can i wear jeans to office kind of vibe uh, it was just i think the the my i think my growth rate was like it just like kind of peaked you know it because i had to do everything by myself so when i joined the company i was technically the first legal hire the general counsel at that point of time was working as an external consultant and then he kind of you know joined in and uh, we pretty much like built up that team and we had like other senior resources join like over a period of time and it was a it was such a new industry like mobile ad tech in 2012 was still kind of picking up i mean smartphones weren't as rampant as they are today like you know you still uh, i mean 
we didn't like rely on whatsapp and danzo and swiggy for everything it was just like we still did have a life outside the phone so i think it was a good time to join them because the industry was very new so there was a lot of learning over there and because i like tech it just added to that you know fascination to understanding how the company worked and the kind of business it was going into and it evolved like over a period of 5 years a company like in be given the the industry that it is in it wasn't just about mobile ad tech it evolved from ad tech to data to you know artificial intelligence so, so there's so many new things that it kind of brought into the my my career dynamic as such and i think that really helped me you know kind of build like a niche interest in these specific areas like tech and media specifically and because it was also an advertising in movie and i think um, but then you know like i think all of us kind of hit a plateau at some point where you yeah. where you just you know you're just staring at your laptop at like you know 11 in the night and wondering what am i doing with my life like who am i doing this for so then and i had this moment of epiphany actually right after an accident and it gave me some time to think and i was just like okay i told my parents i was like uh i kind of want to do something on my own and uh, i'm not going to i don't want to do a 9 to 5 so this is in 2016 um and i decided that i will do something in music now what the something was even i didn't know uh i had grand plans of actually becoming a musician but uh, i think within like 3 months i realized that it was not a skill set that you just like decide one fine day you can become a musician there's a lot of hard work that goes into it and uh, but what i realized was that there weren't any lawyers in the music industry in india there was nobody and i'm talking about the ground reality i'm not talking about the law firms which are like full service law firms who have media and entertainment and ip lawyers and they work with big names they work with your record labels like a t series or a sony or they those guys have their own in house legal teams as well i'm talking about actual ground work like people who work with you know musicians who are professional musicians who are sessions artists who are singers who are indie artists i'm talking about i'm not talking about like the armans of the world but and i realized that people were coming to me asking saying hey aren't you a lawyer so do you understand about this like can you explain you know what this means and you know i got this contract uh, i am and is it okay if i just sign it without anybody looking at it and it started it slowly picked up it took its own time but i think by uh, late 2000 i think by yeah by late 2017 people were really curious they were just like there is so much of information that you have which you can share and uh, it it's it's information that you take for granted and that's when i realized that okay this is a it's a big opportunity more than anything else i in fact got a lot of flack for sharing free information i mean i had people like reaching out to me saying to this is stuff that we pay we get paid like at least like 50000 bucks to give why are you giving it out for free and i was just like because we need this you don't realize what is the next step this is opening up an entire sector of work you know like i mean you can't obviously you can't expect uh, individual artists to like pay you the way a large record label pays you but um, it is a need it is i think um, and i think people are slowly understanding the need for having lawyers in this space as well but the problem with this is that it's not uh, it's not a revenue generating industry as in if you're going to rely on only music then it you might not necessarily uh be very happy with the returns because it's not something that yeah it's not like i mean i'm saying daily ongoing legal support is a something that most indie artists cannot afford so how do we kind of counter that so you kind of need to like have a balance between both your you know working with indie artists and kind of uh, providing them with like nominal nominally charged services as opposed to working with like a large corporate and having like a 
a good retainer with him. So I kind of had both. And then, of course, 2020 happened. <laughs> and everything just, you know, came to a grand end. <laughs> so I think this is like every freelancer story is the same. And it was that those five years that I've spent uh, building Lexic and, you know, working on the podcast was that, I mean, that kind of still continues in the sense, like, especially through the podcast. And I still have people like giving me a call and saying, you know, can you advise me on this? And can you, you know, throw some light on what are these terms? Like, what is mechanical rights? What are performing performance royalties? And this so much of information that's available but it's so difficult to like segregate through it and kind of make sense that i realized that this is a massive opportunity but then to kind of ramp up on that opportunity you need infrastructure there has to be a lot more awareness building so i still hope that someday i can get back to it but uh, a 2020 kind of put me in a spot and i i want to continue associating myself with artists and like especially with musicians and i still do um and with the podcast especially but then uh, when i realized that i need to kind of like strike a balance and you do need to you know look after yourself as well and then when the whole um you know opportunity with vice came up came up i did not want to like let it go so that and i've been with them for the past few months now and that's also like of course in the media and entertainment business and there's like a whole, it's a whole different kind of a experience but it's everything has been like this just so much learning every day and i just i still feel like a fresher from 14 years ago because it's just like there's so much more to learn and there's so much more to understand so yeah I think right. I think I rambled a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I actually got stuck at a point when you mentioned the plateau, and I I couldn't help but notice that 2020. I think that plateau has been accelerated. All of the law students are look as just staring at their laptops, wondering why the hell are they doing whatever they are doing right now. But uh, yeah, nonetheless, with respect to your uh, experience, there's one thing very remarkable that. Uh, the fact that there has been a, a need identification is something that is very fascinating to me i think i was recently researching something on copyright communities and how the artists are associated with it and what kind of benefits or the losses or the disadvantages or the advantages are accrued uh, i've realized that there is definitely a need if uh, and the need is to be identified and uh, this is not something which is perhaps talked about as much as we talk about let's say arbitration or we talk about insolvency or some other some of those more other in vogue areas of laws at this moment but when you now are working as uh, a senior uh, legal counsel for vice media uh, asia pacific and now you handling all those latest matters specifically working in media entertainment industry if i were to ask you what and how would you conceptually describe media uh, industry and the legal practice especially in media entertainment industry what would your interpretation be so the thing is cost of i think media and entertainment is in terms of laws comprises of everything because you have starting from your uh, intellectual property is at the core you have commercial transactions contracting you have you do have corporate uh, laws that apply to the industry i'm talking about because these are the clients that you're dealing with right you in terms of laws that specifically apply to the business of media entertainment it's your censorship your ip you have your latest it guidelines which talk about the code of ethics which has just kind of you know like ambushed everybody in the industry uh and a lot of and then of course you have the corporate side of things like you'll have the fpi regulations or you'll have you know the rbi uh, constraints which will ap- apply to the operations of how these companies in this industry works but um apart from that i think your core basics would be with ip censorship contracts uh and like i said now the new you know social media intermediary guidelines so those are i think at which will probably be at the core of your practice areas and uh, and I, i think yeah operationally speaking i'm talking about like business and operation wise but not from a corporate mm-hmm. standpoint anything that would apply to any other company would apply to a media entertainment company 
I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> no, no, it does actually, and that actually gives me an opportunity to ask you a rather uh, basic question uh, with uh, full naivety that you would expect from a law student <laughs> is that uh, when you when someone who is trying to understand this industry and trying to perhaps uh, work in work their way to establish a practice in this industry. what are those essential features of a legal practice in media industry that we should particularly take care of one that i can clearly identify from your previous answers is that we need to be specifically be very good with ipr uh, intellectual okay. property rights is something that we need to perhaps specialize in in order to work in this industry what are the other such characteristics that we need to take care of okay disclaimer right up front i don't have a specialization in ipr mm-hmm. i was just interested in it okay. so i don't honestly i mean degrees and like higher studies and llms and qualifications i've realized are not as important as your actual interest in the subject you know uh, and and i think what is severely lacking what i've understood is especially in a unorganized like i wouldn't want to say disorganized i just say it's like it doesn't it's not it's not a um, it's not an organized industry like tech right media and entertainment is just like all over the place like we, we don't really have like too many rules and regulations and structures in place um a lot of people work off on like oral you know promises and word of mouth and like they they take it for granted that you don't need a contract to actually you know establish like a problem so we have it's it's something as basic as that um so i think having context to the industry also helps a lawyer a lot so what worked really well for me and continues to work well for me is the context that i have so i'm married to a musician and i have been working in the music industry not just as a lawyer but also as an artist manager so the kind of context that i had to how the industry works and to what are the pain points that most artists kind of like go through is a very different kind of a perspective so it's not i am not just looking at it only from okay the law says x y z and we can do x y z it's just the law says this how do we work with it to kind of establish what we want so setting context is very very key and uh when i've worked with artists when like when i've represented them i've had like other lawyers on the other side who have kind of who are representing either another artist or another company or a label who have zero context to how the industry works and then it makes things so much more difficult because not having not understanding uh how the industry is placed and how these um processes kind of fit in and then kind of sticking to only the legal point of view will not get your client the results they want and it will not close a deal and you can be very you can so there are two ways to it you can either act like you're completely ignorant of the law and just put whatever you want in the deal and in the contract or you can you know understand what the regulations and the laws actually provide for apply it in the context of your artist and the situation that he or she is actually entering into and then negotiate a good solid contract which is balanced but the problem with most i think it's like a general it's kind of like a i wouldn't really say it's an indian thing but i realize it's a very corporate thing that you have contracts which are totally one sided and in india it goes one step further especially in the music industry that they will have contracts which are not just one sided but which are <laughs> against the law also so they'll have like you know clauses which say you will waive all your rights you will waive your moral rights you will waive your rights to receive royalties and artists agree to it because they don't know better yeah. and lawyers who are working on this don't really uh, they they i have received this argument that you know but this is industry practice but industry practice does not mean the right practice so how do you go about changing it so i i'm saying and this is very specific to media and entertainment it's not like like tech or more organized sectors where you do have uh policies and frameworks in place where you have like self regulating bodies that kind of come out with guidelines that companies are who are associated or who are working in the industry kind of follow that doesn't work like that with media and entertainment yeah. so i think so context and having a genuine interest in the matter in the subject uh 
i think is very very important and it's yeah. not just about it being Mm-hmm. like i had i had uh, some, someone ask me this that you know it's so cool to be an entertainment lawyer to work with the music industry i was just like yeah you know honestly even i thought it was so cool but it's very stressful also <laughs> because you know you're not dealing with businesses you're dealing with people mm-hmm. you're dealing with people so how you understand them how you work with them so that is my third point you need to be somebody who knows how to talk to people who knows how to communicate your communication skills are very very important so, so much so so much more than in uh, like you know any other sector because this is not just about creating an impression but it's about building trust with your client right so yeah i mean i i had some template questions ready when i was going to ask you about your uh, practical experience of working as a lawyer in media industry i think i'm going to deviate now because this conversation has just become very very interesting so when you when you talk about your experience as an artist manager and then also mm. as a lawyer who understands everything who observes everything who has a very clear idea as to how law works and uh, observes everything as to how the other lawyers other parties are behaving how they are negotiating i think that entire problem of over negotiating or perhaps creating a win and lose situation is embedded in our psychology even in law schools we have that in our negotiation competitions we just want to win completely yeah. destroy the other yeah. party but i think when we talk <laughs> from uh, that one very interesting perspective what are the major challenges that you face but like one that i understand is that facing people made by artists other companies other officials lawyers that requires a lot of people skills but apart from mm-hmm. that like being an artist manager being a lawyer working in that industry what are the major challenges that you come across so like i mentioned earlier the industry itself is not organized so most lawyers especially coming from the kind of background that i came from i'm used to things being organized and you know emails being sent and acknowledging emails and you know expecting people to like respect your personal time off and not message you on a saturday night at 11 all of that will go out of the window so you can forget about it and you you don't even like i and for me it was that was like a massive culture shock i'm just like how can they not acknowledge my call how can they not reply to my email i was like what is this like people don't have contracts you are like i was just you know mind blown but then once i realized so in i realized that those are all opportunities because when i started treating my clients in the me- media and the entertainment industry the same way that i treated my tech clients they are very impressed with it because of course professionalism works well so there are people and i have so i have realized you, you it's about that drawing that balance right you don't need to overcomplicate things uh, just because you've been hired to do a job as a lawyer does not mean you write like pedantic long 10 page essays and make a contract of 50 pages which can be done in four but the logic that i have received is but you know we want to be very sure we want to be very thorough and 90% of those things which are there in the contract don't need to be there so a lawyer convincing another lawyer that your contract is too long is also a little you know because of course the ego also comes in and then they just like you know please i have been i'm part of this law firm so i know what i'm doing kind of thing but it's not really going to you know get you your deal closed so that is that is something which i kind of came across and like i said that lack of context and explaining how the industry works to another lawyer who's working on the same deal but on the other side is time consuming and what is the worst part is people who are from the industry and not lawyers non lawyers who are so convinced that what they know is right because they've been in the industry for that many years convincing them that they are wrong <laughs> that is it's just like you know i'm just like see listen i know you've been in the industry for 30 years but we've not been doing it right the last 10 years because we have had a lot of changes and there are these industry practices which need to change because you know internet and technology and streaming so things work very differently so that has also been quite a bit of a challenge so i think but these are all things that kind of will change over a period of time but apart from that i don't think i have really 
faced any specific concern uh, up, which is very you know mean i don't know like narrowed down to like the music industry or the media mm-hmm. entertainment so these are all like very generic you know you'll have like the same array laws are so complicated people are complaining about why is this copyright act so complicated why can't they just write it seedha seedha in like normal english but i'm just like then lawyers won't have a job no so so yeah Uh, by the way to all the listeners of this podcast who can't watch this video i'm laughing uh it's just thankful that i can <laughs> mute myself because then there will be an audio feedback <laughs> but this is very very fascinating um no wonder why people think your job is really cool working <laughs> in media and entertainment industry <laughs> uh what do you learn yeah. more, more about it but uh, this is very fascinating and i want to know what happens when uh, things go bad in contracts in negotiations or perhaps uh, the deals that have been done what happens when there is a point of dispute resolution litigation uh, how does media industry deal with dispute resolution or let's say litigation is it just as amicable as it works out in when i say amicable i mean the set rules that already govern the way mm. that dispute is supposed to be resolved does that work yeah. the similar way in music industry and how do lawyers adopt to that so again i don't think i have there's no right answer to this because it's like i since it's not these aren't just businesses that we're dealing with we're dealing with people so it's as personal as it gets so a dispute means you're dealing with personal emotions as well so how you handle your client is going to have a huge impact on the ultimate what really happens to the dispute so um, it could if you are someone who is an aggressive lawyer who wants to who will say no you should fight back and you should do this and you should you know file a case and all of that you need to kind of keep your own ego aside to uh, you know evaluate the situation because we understand that our courts and the legislative system is clogged so another an additional uh, uh, lawsuit for your lawyer uh, sorry for your client might mean more money for you but uh, it really i think it's i feel it's like breaching your client's trust because you're not acting on in their best interest and i have come across lawyers like that who have very categorically told me that i don't make money out of uh, not not i that that person has told me that you know that they don't make money out of a mediation or a dispute settlement discussion they make money out of the uh, situation reaching court and then they'll probably like they'll charge like a fixed fee and then they'll take a percentage of whatever they make because most of these will end up having some amount of damages in it so my in at least like in, with the clientele that i have worked with i have always except for like one or two cases which kind of ended up finally in court everything has been about let's discuss this out of court because it's about massaging egos at the end of the day and kind of drawing again balance balance is everything and uh, i i realized that um you shouldn't get really riled up on behalf of your client you need to be the rational voice because the client might have a manager also or uh, they might have like other parties interested in them because depending on who the client is whether it's a person whether it's like a musician or a, a like you know actor or you know people who are in public view so there's a lot of uh, like i think equations that we need to like kind of assess before you advise them so you're not just looking at it from a purely court litigation perspective but you're also looking at it from how do you how does this impact your client's career this is very different from advising a company on a litigation or a dispute because there you have insurance which will take care of costs you have it is not personal at all it is going to be unless it's like a criminal investigation on a director or somebody that something has happened i'm talking about like overall like you know when you're working with a corporate and a cop you're representing a corporate apart from a person who's representing the corporate uh, like from the corporate side it's not personal at all but in these in in the entertainment industry almost like 90% of it unless it's like between two 
entities between two companies most of it is going to be like an individual to individual kind of dispute so then how do you how do you make things better for your client it's not just about sending them to court but there are some some of course some instances which need to be battled out in court because it is reached a stage where you need that kind of intervention and then you advise them and tell them be financially prepared be emotionally prepared for that length for that duration that you will have to spend because as like a few good years of your life gone just like running behind courts but um, i mean and and ultimately it is your decision and you need to respect it but you play a very very important part because you are a counsel to them and that is the role that i have played with my clients it's not just about i'll review your contract and send you off so they they will call me saying i have a problem with this because i have worked with this particular person and they have gone ahead with my music and used it somewhere else how do i go about this so is it straight away file a case or is it reach out to them talk to them figure out how we can resolve this figure out how you can be credited how you can be provided with adequate compensation for them using your work or you know if that doesn't work then we send a cease and desist and you know take things accordingly and not just like hit um, you know full throttle right in the beginning so yeah right right i think this is very fascinating especially when uh, we look at it from one perspective of understanding how this entire uh, process works especially when it comes to a pragmatic real life interpretation of this and i think what is really important what i understand from your answer is there is an indispensable need of commercial awareness there is an indis- mm. indispensable need for a pragmatic understanding of how this is actually going to play out and whether this at all interests my client who is perhaps not uh, a huge corporation i think with my last couple of set of questions uh, the major one would be that now that you uh, have such a significant position in a company and now that you're working specifically for the media industry pertaining to a particular company and then you've also worked previously with individual artists this entire industry especially with respect to the legal practice how do you see this evolving the major challenges that that it faces legal challenges or perhaps or the possibilities that we can perhaps hope for or try and exploit um from an indian perspective especially i think our biggest hurdles have been how um vague our laws are and how they are interpreted so i think it is about understanding the implications of non compliance and kind of working your way around that because it's not that technically as a media and entertainment professional or a company in this country we can do anything i mean because we know how uh, enforcement works and it also depends on how visible you are so all of those things matter in this field uh, it's not like um like a plain vanilla it services company where you're just working in the background and you have your business and you file your taxes and that's it right media and entertainment is in public view so you are you're visible on a daily basis so what are the so you kind of need to like draw the like draw parallels between what are the things that you should be uh, worrying about in terms of compliance these are non negotiable and what are the things that you can like work around with and in india our problem has always been about how loosely worded a law has been and the like almost like so many notifications and clarifications that are issued and then kind of uh, under you know kind of plugging them putting them together and make it because it's like a puzzle piece and you have uh, one regulation which is like maybe a corporate regulation which will have an impact on your operational your business activities so how do you you know loop all of this in so have it's not so which is why i'm saying we can't really work in silos you need to have like a overall 30000 feet a uh, picture about your laws as such and that is the beauty of the media and entertainment industry so it's it's a good thing and a bad thing because it means there's that much more work you can't really say that oh i am a contract lawyer and that's it you need to know all of these things so um and i and i think how how it's going to keep evolving is that mm-hmm. again i i feel um the the kind of technology that is you know building up now which is impacting every sector has also brought the need for laws to be globally acceptable so 
I can't have varying uh, degrees of data privacy applied to me. So as a global company and almost all large entities, corporates are either aiming at becoming global companies or have global operations, which means the kind of compliances that they have are also going to be kind of like, you know, they will, it will be benchmarked at some, at some point. So I feel that it, in a for an industry like media and uh, media and entertainment there is a lot of sensitivity too because you have censorship that applies to it you have um you know like all your your standard tort laws that apply to the kind of content that you have out there so it will be impossible to keep a global industry standard for it but in terms of say free speech and those kind of things all of that are more or less uniform and then how do you deal with it in a country like india where you are constantly battling something like that every day where politics determines so many of these factors so those are all things which are evolving maybe 10 years from now things might be very different it, we might either go back like 50 years like we might be beyond regressive or we might like you know move past the kind of hurdles that we are facing today and not be worried about like you know what is the content that is being put out there and and up just you just need to like focus on your actual core ip laws and all of that um mm-hmm. but i'm hoping that things will keep evolving for the better and not like you know regressing <laughs> and yeah right i think uh, that's a constant hope to be honest uh, having mm-hmm. anywhere like i truly believe that all those new notifications or new regulations have a very different taste there are various yeah. opinions and obviously i don't think this is the appropriate platform for me to voice my opinions out but uh, there have been very very stark very uh, polarizing opinions about how let's say an ott platform should function how music platform mm. should function what exactly is the music platform can really broadcast and then there are rights mm. liabilities that are in issues but i think with that it is time that i really bring up a conversation about something that i want been wanting to have a conversation about your podcast uh lex talk <laughs> music is uh, about 11 episodes now uh, the last episode yeah. that i that i tuned in was with mr banerji you were talking about some really yeah. interesting stuff um, right so first like just a couple of questions about uh, podcasting is one why did you choose podcasting as in what are the conceptual benefits or the idea that you draw from podcasting mm. and secondly what was your experience with the podcast so i think uh, my life is like filled with happy coincidences and <laughs> the podcast is also something like that so okay. i realized that uh, i had done this video basically i had like done these two 20 minute videos on contracts and i realized that you know the might as well like how do i do this on a regular basis because uh, every time someone comes to me with a question on something very very basic like on you know, concepts of copyright or like explaining uh, how it works in the music industry i have to keep repeating myself so then i just thought to myself if i can do this for video how else do i like record and keep all of this somewhere which can be accessed by people and uh, that's when the whole podcast idea struck me so it wasn't with the intent it was just more it was more like a i i know it sounds really crude that i'm saying this but it was more like a dumping ground of all information that was accumulated in my head so that i don't forget it <laughs> so i think that was like uh, that's how it kind of started and uh, then uh, i and like i said i'm i'm quite i'm very tech savvy so i like doing all of this like you know you know discovering new platforms and all these services and i checked out all the podcast services uh, subscription services that were there i found buzzsprout and uh, then just decided then i annoyed my husband into making a theme for me for the podcast because those are all the important bits like the exciting parts and i said okay let me just start so it just it was just like one fine day i woke up and i said okay i think i today i'm going to like uh record something and i'll maybe make a podcast out of it and then that's pretty much what happened so after the first two episodes i listened to myself and i was just like nobody's going to want to listen to this one person going on talking like rambling about copyright like who is this person keep quiet so then i said okay let me bring somebody else and we'll talk about copyright and that's how the episode with priyanka kimani came about and um, 
I, I like I I'd met Priyanka once and I was just like you know I I texted her and I said you know what like would you be interested in like doing this she like of course yeah why not and she like I think we need more of these conversations because there's very little information out there and that was I think that kind of helped me push the podcast ahead because I realized we really don't have any reliable source of information regarding the music industry and the business and the legal aspects of it anywhere. So even if you Google it or if you look at like a uh, material that's there, now when I look at the material that is there, I'm just like, these are articles written by me only. Like, what is this? <laughs> Where are the other experts? So it's just, I was just like, okay, let's, can we try changing that? Like, I want to like put more information out there. If not, at least make these episodes conversation starters, you know, like have people listen to that and think, okay, what is that? What is they're talking about? Let me go read up on it. Or, oh, am I supposed to do this? And my aim was to simplify it and make the people who it really impacts get hooked onto it and listen to it and actually keep track. So indie artists, uh, artist managers, uh, uh, indie record labels, because obviously the big ones don't really need my support. They have their own in-house teams. And uh, anybody who's like in the music industry, basically, and interested and wants to understand, including lawyers. Because like I said, context is key. So then I realized that that format worked really well. One hour just flew and there was so much of information that we were sharing and so much of information that I was getting from the person that I was interviewing. Then I, then I kind of made a plan in my head that, okay, I will interview different people from across the industry. I've not been very regular. I know because it's just like every two months I'll wake up and I'll say, huh, okay, I will do an episode this month but there are two more episodes coming I've already recorded them I just need to like sit down and kind of edit it and kind of you know publish so and that's going to be on artist management and music publishing which nobody knows anything about in the country right now so I'm very excited about it myself but thank you it means a lot that you actually like the podcast and it makes sense to you so no, it absolutely so does. Much. And I have I have very particular reasons why I love this podcast. So I was I had a very interesting conversation with Miss Namrata Pawa about fashion law. And we were having a conversation about the rights of the designers, the human rights of the models or the manufacturers and other ancillary rights. And then I realized that and as I started researching for this episode, I realized that when I started listening to your podcast, for example, you talk about uh, performance priorities, or you have a conversation about uh, those mechanical rights that you talk about. So as a as someone who tries to upload something on YouTube, very basic example here that mm. I do not have any idea as to how YouTube copyright laws work or their rules work. And if there is mm. to be a copyright infringement, what exactly am I supposed to do? And these are the these are the questions that do not necessarily require me to approach a legal counsel. Obviously, I can research on it because I'm a law student. I have some hint as to how I can research on it. But someone who has no idea, who is an indie artist, who simply is growing with their product, who's just manufacturing their content, would definitely like to know more about their rights, more about their duties, the obligations, and everything that goes behind the scene. And as you said, uh, dumping information is technically the entire <laughs> podcasting industry <laughs> as meta this conversation gets exploitation of the media industry to help the media industry uh, but <laughs> yeah. i i truly loved your 11th episode to say the least i think obviously priyanka man's episode was amazing but uh, your latest episode yeah. is something that i listened to the lens also to understand how i can get better <laughs> and make my <laughs> podcast more uh, conducive to that but yes as i've said the idea of Lex uh, Talk Music is exactly what I think every law student or legal aspirant needs as of this moment. And something that I am trying to do with this podcast uh, is nice. to have conversations about things that we can exploit. It is all about exploitation. So, yes. The, <laughs> yes <laughs> opportunities. Yes. Let's be <laughs> diplomatic about it. <laughs> But yeah. yeah. So again, I absolutely love your podcast, ma'am. And uh, as far as this conversation is concerned, everything about this conversation is absolutely gold. Every part of this conversation is something that I genuinely wanted to have indispensable part of this podcast. And I'm really grateful that you actually spared an hour of your time, sit down with me and no have problem. this conversation. Uh, before we wrap this up, do you have any closing remarks for our uh, viewers, our listeners? <laughs> I, I, if you're a lawyer and if you're an aspiring lawyer, as in if you're not yet joined law school, 
think really carefully whether you want to do it because it's like five years of reading so much. But uh, I think, uh, but to like everyone who's like tuning in and like, I, I know it's not necessarily professional advice or it's just, I think we all need to be like kinder to ourselves. And that's something which I've like kind of figured out in the last six years. And it's affected me both from, Uh, a professional and personal perspective like to give yourself time allow yourself to grow allow yourself to discover things so um, it's okay if you haven't done something which you had planned to like five years ago maybe there's something else that you might be inclined to do and maybe you'll do a better job at that and because I had all these plans in my head and when I started off uh, when I wanted to become a lawyer when I joined law school, when I graduated law school, and I've come a very, very long way from there and very, very different long way. So I think uh, allow yourself to change and just be okay with that, I think more importantly. And and I don't know, like if you if you're looking at, and from a professional perspective, if you're looking at you know getting into like media and entertainment law don't do it because you think it's cool do it because you really like the the whole you know the that you that you're interested in ip that you understand you need to have your basics in ip very very solid um and have if you if you have like an interest in understanding the industry better and setting that context right nothing like it perfect perfect don't join don't join this industry if you think it is cool <laughs> join it if you if you enjoy the grind of this industry perfect i just yeah, found the yeah, capture of this yeah. episode <laughs> right yeah with that thank okay. you so much ma'am thank you so much for this incredible conversation i had a wonderful time speaking with you i hope you had a good time too likewise kostuk thank you for taking time out and thank you for being persistent <laughs> i'm that i mean that really it matters a lot and uh, please stay safe and mm-hmm. uh, i hope you know we we are all able mm-hmm. to like meet in person someday Absolutely. and that this situation improves all the best perfect thank you thank you so much ma'am all right